The COVID-19 pandemic has changed life for all of us. But even before this, we were already fighting an epidemic, the battle against chronic disease. And those with chronic diseases are at highest risk of contracting severe coronavirus infections. So how do we protect ourselves during these uncertain times? But more importantly, how do we view health? Welcome to the Glass Half Healthy Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Jonar, a board certified physician in internal medicine and lifestyle medicine. In this podcast, I want to address the current crisis of chronic disease and to challenge conventional attitudes towards health. We'll be exploring these issues with thought-provoking guests to help redefine what health should mean for all of us. I hope to inspire you to take action towards a happier, thriving life because good health comes to those who expect it. Happy New Year. What is up, everyone? The year is finally here, 2021. I am your host, Dr. Jonar, and this is my podcast, The Glass Half Healthy. Welcome back to our loyal fans. And for our first-time listeners, welcome to the pod. What a year 2020 was. Coronavirus continues on stronger during this winter season, especially here in L.A., where we are seeing unprecedented numbers. So now, more than ever... It is critical for us to take our health very seriously during this pandemic and beyond. So I will continue to have guests who are experts in their respective fields to discuss topics of nutrition, sleep, stress management, movement, risky behaviors, and healthy relationships to inspire you to lead a happier, healthier life. With that said, I now ask you, what is missing from your health? which is the title of this episode with Dr. Sarai Stancic, MD. But before that, a word from our sponsor. This episode of The Glass Half Healthy is brought to you by peas. One cup of this green legume gives you 8 grams of protein and vitamin C and E, zinc, and other antioxidants that strengthen your immune system. So make it for dinner tonight. You'll be at peas with your decision. Peas. Get them wherever fresh produce is sold. Okay, back to the pod. Our 20th episode, and it's Dr. Sarai Stancic, MD, on the show to discuss what's missing from your health, very much linked to what's missing from medicine, which is that the power of our lifestyle choices have on our overall health. She is a board-certified internist and infectious disease specialist whose professional and personal path took a dramatic detour due to a debilitating disorder called multiple sclerosis, or MS for short. She will discuss her personal and professional transformation that came as a result of years of suffering with illness that drove her to better understand chronic disease, that our diet and daily choices of living have long-term effects, for better or for worse, on our overall health. Dr. Stancic is a passionate advocate for revamping our current healthcare system. It's a system that centers around a sick care model, using pills and procedures to treat conditions rather than focusing on the root cause and the significance of lifestyle choices to prevent, better manage, and potentially reverse these diseases altogether, which is really at the core of her new book called What's Missing from Medicine. Her awareness of these issues led to her recovery from MS, 
opening one of the first lifestyle medicine practices in the country, producing the film Code Blue, which sheds light on the egregious lapse in our healthcare system, as well as her new book, mentoring future generations of medical students and being a passionate advocate for lifestyle medicine. Pay close attention to what she terms as the six spokes of the lifestyle wheel of health. Great analogy. Also, as an infectious disease specialist, she discusses how optimizing our lifestyle choices helps to optimize our immune system during this pandemic, which really embodies part of my mission for this podcast. And FYI, stay tuned to hear about our first ever giveaway, and it's for her book, What's Missing from Medicine. Without further delay, let's enter the pod with Dr. Sarai Stancic. First and foremost, thank you for coming on the show. Um, you know, I've been a big fan of yours for some time after watching your movie, Code Blue. Now you have this new book that's coming out and I love what you've been doing and continue to do, you know, for the movement of lifestyle medicine, but really uncovering the truth about conventional medicine and the importance of lifestyle that plays a role in all of it. But I want you to take us back to October 11th, 1995 and how you got to this point in your life. Sure. Well, October 11th, 1995 is a big day in my life. Everything changed. Uh, I was a, a third-year medical resident, Jonar, and I was on call that, that night working an overnight shift. And around three o'clock in the morning, I finally found an opportunity uh, to take a nap. I probably slept for about 30, 45 minutes, and then I was paged. And when I tried to get up out of that sleeping position, I couldn't feel my legs. And it was just that acute. I mean, I walked into that hospital, you know, feeling great. And uh, there it was, essentially numbness in, in both of my lower extremities. I was brought to the ER and MRI was done. And that confirmed a diagnosis of multiple sclerosis with lesions in both my brain and spinal cord. And um, that changed the course of my life. I was now a chronic disease patient admitted to the hospital. And um, with that came what I call the parade of pharmaceuticals as um, mm. Many medications were, were initiated to treat that acute event, that exacerbation. I was started on methylprednisolone and then uh, multiple medicines to treat my failing bladder, peripheral neuropathy, spasticity. As you can imagine, it was one drug after another. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. around that time, I was also started on the first disease-modifying therapy that was approved by the FDA for multiple sclerosis, a drug called beta-seron. And it was an injectable drug that I would have to inject every day that had a significant side effect profile. So I can tell you that um, it largely became intolerable for me and it ended up so that so many of the side effects of that drug led to other prescriptions. Bottom line, by the time, um, I would say two to three years into the diagnosis, I was dependent on a dozen medicines and um, my disease was progressing. I found myself about eight years into the diagnosis, largely dependent on a cane or crutches, a diaper, and a pillbox wow. uh, and feeling really quite hopeless. And then it was then in 2003 that by chance I came across a publication that discussed the connection between diet and disease, particularly multiple sclerosis. And I thought to myself, well, what in the world could diet have to do with MS? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. So that was the, the trigger that led to this um, desire to learn more and more about these connections between diet and lifestyle and how it affects our, our risk of disease, the management, and even the outcomes in, in disease. And so 
this was an, 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 a really an enlightening moment for me, Jonah, because here I was an, a, a dual board certified attending physician and I didn't know sure. anything about this. Right. And so it was both a little bit frightening and exciting because for the first time I was really learning the importance of these variables and how not only could it make a difference in my own personal health, but how it could make a difference in the patient and management of my patients in mm -hmm. general. And so in 2003, I made this unconventional decision to really engage in optimizing every aspect of my lifestyle and then very methodically and carefully tapering off of all of those medications I had grown dependent on. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. um, within a few months and a year, I found that I was feeling better. And I suddenly began to gain hope that I could potentially that I wasn't going to have to necessarily, as my doctors had predicted, end up in a wheelchair within 10 to 20 years. I started to see that there was power in my choice and that that this disease was not going to define me. And um, so bottom line, I went from that young woman dependent on a cane to crossing the finish line at a marathon in 2010. And so my wow. story today and this, of course, fuels why I do what I do professionally. It changed the course of my life. This idea of lifestyle and diet changed the course of my life. And today, more than 25 years since that diagnosis, I take no medication. I'm active. And uh, even this year, I, I celebrated 25 years. October 11, 2020 was 25 years since the diagnosis. And on that day, I walked 25 miles with family and friends to really commemorate and, and largely celebrate the fact that I'm living with this disease and it's not controlling me. I'm, I'm managing it successfully. And I think undoubtedly by optimizing every aspect of my lifestyle. That's just such an incredible, amazing story. I'm very happy it turned out for you. I mean, there's probably so many points along the way in your journey that you could have just given up and easily just, you know, been distraught. And not wanted to continue on. But I think the one beautiful thing you said in all of that was that, you know, your your health was a choice. You know, I've, I've actually had a previous physician on the show, Dr. Sung Wan, I'm not sure if you're familiar with him, but he's an orthopedic spine surgeon out of Texas, who, you know, starts with plant-based nutrition first before taking any one patient to the OR. And so right. like, yeah. And he, he always says this, it always sticks in my head. Health is a choice. And I think like that choice is so powerful, especially, I mean, look at your case. I mean, you, you went from being dependent on medications, you know, having a walking assist device to later, 15 years later, running a marathon and, you know, reclaiming your health and living a vibrant life. So kudos to you. I mean, that, that is just such an awe-inspiring story. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. But the, the good news is that uh, we can all do this, right? There's nothing right about what I did. And you're right. It's all about choice. The problem is that regrettably, in large part, our field is not uh, speaking to this. And, and mm -hmm. that's part of what I wanted to address in Code Blue is that it's so important for physicians to universally and ubiquitously speak to the power that lies in lifestyle medicine. And yes, of course, it's important that we have this armamentarium of pharmaceuticals and we have these surgical interventions that are available to us. Uh, the example that you just cited, the orthopedic surgeon that you interviewed, how wonderful that, of course, he has the, this extraordinary skill set to, to go to the OR when needed, but right. that he realizes and acknowledges that it's so important that we, when possible, we address these lifestyle changes in hopes that they can lead to potentially preventing a surgical intervention. Exactly. And, you know, you just mentioned it, you know, and I mentioned it, you know, when we first started talking, but your movie. 
So I saw that during the Lifestyle Medicine Conference is very powerful. So for those that don't even know about it, tell us a little bit about Code Blue. What was the idea behind making this film? So, you know, Jonar, as I was practicing uh, in my lifestyle medicine clinic, so many patients would come to me and say, uh, I saw the film Forks Over Knives, or I saw some, mm -hmm. and it really, it really resonated with me. So then I started thinking, well, this is yet another vehicle by which we can communicate these messages to, to the general population uh, film beyond what I was doing with my clinic or writing articles that this would be yet, because the idea is, and I think the the power from the American College of Lifestyle Medicine and organizations that are speaking to this is when we coalesce our voices, it's so powerful because we're reaching more and more individuals. And this idea of plant-based nutrition and lifestyle medicine is becoming more and more mainstream. People are, are becoming very familiar with it. So in the, the film, the idea was to create another modality by which we could dispense or deliver this message of lifestyle mm -hmm. medicine and how powerful it was. And of course, uh, within the, that context, I shared my story because often telling stories, personal stories, um, hopefully will serve to inspire individuals. And I also wanted in the film, again, because you know the hope of the documentarian is always to shed light on some lapse in society. For me, it was about right. showing the lapse in in health in medical school, how how it was because because you know you know when I look back retrospectively at at my own personal health journey, learning that thinking back that my doctors who were the the best MS doctors in the country, they couldn't speak to the one intervention that was so powerful and in, in regards to my recovery. So I think it's it's regrettable that in medical school we don't we don't learn about the power that lies in diet and in lifestyle. And it is my hope that the film will serve to create interest in changing that so that all curricula in all medical schools and actually all healthcare professional schools that they speak to the importance of this. This should be the foundation on which we build all else. All doctors, regardless of their subspecialty, whether they're plastic surgeons, radiologists, or internal medicine doctors, that we should all understand that this is really important in the management of all patients, not only for the way that we practice medicine, but I also want all doctors to take very good care of themselves because of right. course, we are the example for our patients. So if we're not practicing or living this lifestyle, it sort of falls short. Right. You know, I, I think a lot of the different things you just said really resonated with me. I mean, I think that in our current conventional medical care system, starting with medical school, you know, and to no one's fault, this wasn't, you know, any specific part of blame for, you know, a specific med school or anything, but our system is set up to reward, you know, prescribing pills, doing procedures, when really, we should be looking at the root cause of things. Exactly. And I, I think that's why lifestyle medicine spoke so much to me, because so, you know, as we, we talked offline, I'm a hospitalist, so we see this stuff all the time with patients coming in the hospital, all these acute illnesses that stem from these debilitating, festering chronic diseases. So, you know, why not start, you know, upstream? Why not start with what's causing it? It's nutrition. It's, right. you know, not moving enough. It's not dealing with stress in an effective manner. It's not sleeping enough. Like all these things contribute to health, but, you know, it's so easy to get bogged down in your day to day without realizing what you're doing. And so I think that like, with this movie code blue i think hopefully you know it'll resonate with more people and that it's going to really spark a movement towards learning more about nutrition learning more about these processes that do affect 
your overall health. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I think that like watching some of those med schools now who are really just going full board with the nutrition aspect of things. I mean, I got chills up my spine watching the movie. I was like, man, I wish I had this when I was in medical school, but it's crazy. So in like 2013, there was a survey done of like, you know, I think 700 med schools or something like that. And only like 12 or 15% 15%, it was a small percentage, only a small percent was meeting the bare minimum requirement of nutrition education, which right. was like 20 hours. Yeah. You know? and, it's pretty, yeah. yeah, it's about 25 hours. And, and, and even, even that nutrition education that they do deliver to our, largely it's like biochemistry and, you know, vitamin deficiencies, like, I don't know, berry, berry or scurvy. Right. So <laughs> right. it's not the nutrition education we really want to be incorporated. And and it, in the in the cold blue, there's that scene with in, in the kitchen with the young medical students wearing the chef hats. I don't know if you recall. I, oh yeah, I remember. Yeah, that. I was you know it was so cool to witness it all. But, I mean, this was, these are medical students, and they're right. getting this. They're understanding why these plant rich foods are so important, and they're connecting those dots. How you know this fiber rich diet is going to improve the makeup of your microbiome, and your blood pressure is going to be better, and your your risk of diabetes improves. And connecting the physiology with the food itself is is so cool. And these students are getting that. This is the University of South Carolina in Greenville. Regrettably, that is the minority. And what I would wish and hope is that all medical schools get this. And it's not just the minority. Sure, for sure. And so, you know, you have that movie and then you also are coming up with this book. So it's called What's Missing from Medicine. And I I read your excerpt. So, you know, I, I know this is coming from a place of love from you both personally and professionally. So for those that didn't read the excerpt, what what is your book about and what inspired you to write it? Well, the book largely en- encompasses this idea of lifestyle medicine, right? So lifestyle mm-hmm. medicine is the discipline that you and I are talking about. And it is really about educating and empowering the public on the importance of all the aspects that you just described, nutrition, exercise, stress, sleep. Social interconnectedness, we know those amongst us who are isolated or depressed are more likely to develop a chronic disease and become depressed. And then substance abuse issues that we we tend to not talk about, but they're so important. And so the book talks about uh, where we are today. I added a preface actually like at the last minute and and to address the COVID-19 pandemic because I wanted to connect those, those dots you know, I'm an infectious disease physician. And so mm-hmm. you know, witnessing this past year, what we've, and I know we we spoke before we started this interview about your experience as a hospitalist in, in mm-hmm. Los Angeles and what you're experiencing there. And it's been so tragic what our country and the globe has witnessed through this pandemic. But certainly mm-hmm. one of the issues that I wanted to uh, address at the start of the book in the preface was connecting the dots between the chronic disease epidemic and the obesity epidemic and the COVID-19 pandemic. And obviously what we learned is that those amongst us who are living with a chronic disease are much greater risk of greater morbidity and and even mortality from this pandemic. So I pray that the silver lining in all of this is that we become more aware and understand that these chronic diseases are really hampering our ability to live happy and healthy lives. And, and maybe this might be the catalyst that, that urges the American public and actually the global public to live happier. I mean, to make healthier choices Mm -hmm. uh, so that we can reduce the burden that is chronic disease today. 
the book then goes on. I, I do share my personal story in the introduction. And then, and then I share where we are today, how we got to where we are today. I mean, we're a country that is largely living in the midst of a chronic disease epidemic. 70% of us are obese or overweight. Right. That is in our country, if you're normal weight, you're in a minority. So that's really upside down. How did we get there? So the first chapter is really about how did we get there? The second chapter is the solution, lifestyle medicine. And then the following chapters, one chapter dedicated to each aspect or what I call, I describe lifestyle medicine as a wheel and each one of these nutrition, exercise, sleep, all of them are spoke on that wheel, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And so what I say, Jonah, I don't know if you'd agree with me, but I think that all the spokes on the lifestyle medicine wheel are important. Some of us, tend to be really good at food or really good at exercise, but then we ignore sleep and stress. Right. And what I hope is that we can come to an agreement that every aspect of lifestyle is important and we need to offer our attention to each aspect. Because I think when you strengthen each spoke on that wheel, your forward movement is much more effective and, and you're more likely to hit what I call the sweet spot. Because we want, I mean, my hope for each and every one of us is to age gracefully free of chronic disease. And then at Mm -hmm. the end of of all of this, you know, maybe at age 99 or 101, after spending a really beautiful day with our family and friends that we go to bed and we don't wake up. That's the happy ending to a life well lived. Not what you and I see today in clinical practice. We see uh, so much chronic disease. I know I, I used to, one of my last stops when I was practicing infectious diseases at the VA was the nursing home where I would do the last set of consults before I left. And just walking through that nursing home and seeing so many patients with dementia, status post stroke, you know, wearing a diaper and a Foley catheter, all of these largely these patients who were suffering so much from diseases we know now today are largely preventable. We know that heart disease is largely preventable. And we know that diabetes, which is a disease that is exploding in our country, is largely uh, uh, preventable by modifying our behaviors. So we really need to get these messages out to, to all people so that they can empower themselves to live those happy and healthy years. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more with you. I really like the spoke in the wheel analogy, I think that, you know, oftentimes, especially in, you know, mainstream culture, there's so much focus put on just one aspect. And yes, nutrition is super important. I mean, without eating, you'll, you'll die. But I mean, there, there's other things that contribute to health. So I, you know, I hope that people will, you know, you know, take a look at your book, read it and really incorporate some of the stuff that you're talking about it, because I think it's such a powerful message. Yes, I agree. Yeah. And so, you know, your book, your message, you mentioned you're an infectious disease doctor. You know, this comes at no better time in the middle of a pandemic. You know, you you mentioned it, you said you devoted part of your book to talk about it. But, you know, there's millions of lives that have been affected here in the United States and around the world. Here in the U.S., there's over, you know, close to, if not over 300,000 lives that have been lost in the U.S. because of it. And so, you know, we talk about starting, you know, implementing the vaccine, but we're, you know, we're, we're far out from from that. It's going to be until probably at the earliest mid twenty twenty one that uh, you know majority of the Americans are vaccinated. So for our listeners out there, people that might be you know doubting that lifestyle plays a role, like what we eat, how much we sleep, you know how we deal with stress, like how does it play a role in our overall health from an infectious disease standpoint to optimize our immune system to fight off infections. 
So we know all of those aspects of lifestyle certainly play a role in, in optimizing our immune system. And our immune system is our first, uh, is our barrier, is our effectively, you know, it's those soldiers, um, these immune cells that protect us when we encounter these foreign invaders, right? Be it mm-hmm. COVID or influenza or even a precancerous cell. So having a, a, a sound, a substantive immune system is incredibly important. And we know that when we when we're living uh, less than optimal lifestyles, we're compromising the ability of that immune system to be sound. And in fact, you know, uh, early this summer, we we looked at some data that the CDC uh, reported, and we learned that if you had a chronic disease at the time that you were infected with COVID-19, you were six times more likely to be hospitalized and 12 times, 12 times more likely to die. So wow. uh, th- that that's really um, data that should wake us all up to how sure. important all of this is. Regarding, uh, it, and we talked a bit off tape on this as well, that I know that the American public, it's been, what, nine, 10 months of, of this, and we're growing um, really uh, stressed and tired of the whole isolation. And, and I understand, I mean, and there are a lot of concerns with depression and inaccessibility to to so much of what we, we're typically uh, doing, but we have to stay on course. These infection control measures are so important. Masking when you're out in, in public, maintaining social distancing, washing your hands. I know people are tired of it and of hearing the messages, but it is so important now more than ever as we're seeing this second peak in COVID across the country that uh, we remain vigilant and that um, we, even as we go into the holiday season, that we may have to make some changes to protect our, our loved ones and our, and our communities. And we have the vaccine that was just approved by the FDA this past week and, and rollout begins, but it's going, as you said, it's going to take some time before we have a significant amount of the population vaccinated. Right. And and again, I know that there's COVID fatigue right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been doing this for so long and, and so many sacrifices, but we have to, I urge everyone to, to continue being vigilant and practicing those measures that are, are all so important so that we can uh, hopefully minimize uh, additional losses. As you said, we're, I think we've surpassed 300,000 deaths at this point in the United States. Alone. Yeah. It's it's tragic, but I think your message is really important. You know, continue masking, continue social distancing. I know, you know, we're going into the holiday season. People celebrate their respective holidays with with loved ones. But if you're going to do it, please do it in the safest manner possible, because otherwise, you know, this is going to keep raging on until, you know, 2021, until the majority of our our population is vaccinated. So please do your part. And so, you know, talking about, you know, the interplay between chronic disease and, you know, your immune system, you yourself as a survivor of chronic illness, having gone through that long process of understanding your disease and how important lifestyle plays a role in all of it, what are some of the things you've learned along the way that you'd want to share with others who suffered like you once did? Well, I mean, understanding often people say to me, "Well, how can how can your diet affect multiple sclerosis, which is an autoimmune disease that affects the brain and spinal cord? What are the connections?" And mm-hmm. just briefly, in nineteen, there there was a scientist, and I don't know if you're familiar with him, Roy Swank, who published data back in the nineteen fifties regarding a connection between diet and multiple sclerosis, and he in fact treated MS patients 
in the 1950s with a low-fat plant-based diet and, and followed a cohort of them over 100 and rather over 34 years, 140 patients, and found in, and published this data in the Lancet Journal in 1990 that 95% of his patients remained disability-free. That was one of the bits of evidence that I discovered in 2003, Dr. Roy Swank's work. And it's a curiosity because how is it that what you put on your plate could potentially affect, an, again, that autoimmune disease in the brain and spinal cord? And most recently, we have an inkling in our understanding as to how that is. What mm-hmm. happens is, and, and there are two, two, three important papers that were published in the past two or three years that help us to understand these connections. When you eat a diet rich in fiber, you change the makeup of the microbiome. These are these bacteria in your gut, right? And you favor a type of bacteria that produces a short chain fatty acid called butyrate. Mm-hmm. That may be more information that you need, but essentially these little good bugs in your gut that are a byproduct of your having eaten fiber produce these little signals that go off and tell the immune system to stop attacking the brain and spinal cord. So essentially turn down this this immune system because in an autoimmune disease, your immune system is confused. Instead of attacking foreign invaders like COVID-19 and influenza and precancerous cells, it's attacking you, right? Mm-hmm, in rheumatoid mm-hmm. arthritis, it's the lining of the joint. In, in MS, it's myelin, which is that fatty sheath that protects the brain and spinal cord. So what you eat changes the bugs in your gut and the bugs in your gut then communicate with the immune system. So how cool is that? So we're now understanding- how what you, is changing your immune system, and it may be fortifying your immune system as well. It may be uh, responding more effectively. So again, we don't understand all of it yet, but we are getting a lot of um, clues as to how these connections occur. And we have so many patients, I mean, in my own clinical experience of, of managing patients with autoimmunity, and seeing their clinical improvements, we don't have yet that randomized clinical trial that I hope we can have at some point. Wouldn't it be wonderful to be able to to take newly diagnosed MS patients and randomize them to a disease-modifying therapy versus a whole foods plant-based diet and and an optimal lifestyle and see what we get? We don't have that. Uh, But we do have a lot of anecdotal evidence that supports this. And the good news is that when we engage in these optimal choices, maybe we're doing it because we have hypercholesterolemia, or maybe, you know, we're doing it because we're pre-diabetic. The good news is that not only will it improve your dyslipidemia and your hemoglobin A1C, it's also going to reduce your risk of breast cancer. It's going to reduce your risk of Alzheimer's disease. It's going to reduce your risk of heart disease. That's the wonderful thing about lifestyle medicine is that my prescription for the MS patient is the same as my prescription for the diabetic. Which makes is it so easy in that way. So easy. But it's I, so comprehensive too, it's right? So comprehensive. And you're going to be leaner, you're going to be more active, your anxiety and depression are, I mean, it's the mental health aspects, you're going to sure. sleep better. And the wonderful thing about these spokes on this lifestyle medicine wheel is that when you, you know, you address one, it, it sort of helps the other one. Like if you're exercising every day, you're going to sleep better, right? Right. They, have, they, they reinforce one another. They reinforce yeah. one another. And it's just, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. That's, that's a great message. So, you know, as a fellow physician, I know we, we've kind of touched on some of these things. I know how frustrating our conventional healthcare system can be. Yeah. And, you know, we've been battling this epidemic of chronic disease like obesity, heart disease, diabetes, autoimmune disease, like you just mentioned, long before coronavirus even came about. So 
through your years of experience, what would you say are like the major issues with our healthcare system when it comes to treating chronic disease? And, you know, what are the main keys to turning it around in your opinion? Well, the healthcare system, when you look at, and this is a huge problem that needs to be addressed, the third party payers in our healthcare system reward the pharmaceutical and the procedure and the intervention. That's what they value, right? They don't value lifestyle medicine, behavioral counseling, behavior modification. These are all aspects, and and these are time intensive approaches to to supporting patients. And, And it is why so many of our lifestyle medicine leaning physicians or internists or family practice physician or or even you know surgeons anybody who's who wants to practice medicine in that with that approach you can't sustain a practice based on lifestyle medicine alone because it just uh, financially i mean we have to we have to pay rent and we have to survive and, right. and pay our mortgage and yet we have this army of physicians out there you see you saw at the American College of Lifestyle Medicine i know we were together in Orlando that was our last in-person meeting. Oh yeah, it was actually. It was. <laughs> I mean, you remember that room full when we watched? Oh yeah. There was a room, couple thousand healthcare professionals in the room. Mm-hmm. So right. It, it is. Uh, it is clearly something that is resonating with doctors and and healthcare professionals across the country because every year we go to these conference and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger because people realize that what we're doing today in clinical medicine is unsustainable and it doesn't work. You can't right. yet write another prescription for another diabetes drug and expect your patient to have improved outcomes. Yes, we need to treat the patient. And when they come in with a blood glucose of 300 and their hemoglobin A1C is 12, we're not just going to put them on a plant-based diet that day. We're going to manage them. But we want to give them the tools and, and begin them on that path to introduce behavior modification so that they can ideally taper off of those medicines. They don't have to be what I call a forever patient, right? That's the way we train doctors today to manage patients to be forever patients that were they have to come in every 3 months for yet another prescription and that's not we we can we can support patients on helping them become less dependent on medicines because every medication that you add on has a side effect profile and there's drug drug interactions and there's cost and we want to improve the quality of life of every one of our patients yeah i i mean i don't think i could have said that any better you know i think that the focus of our current healthcare system is that of a secure model. I know that you you know you harp on this in in your book, but it really is true. And I think that turning the conversation around needs to be on both parts of the physician, but the patient too. And at the end of the day, we're all patients, right? Physicians, we you know we 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 have our own health to take care of. So it's so important now more than ever. And yeah, the pandemic has been awful in a lot of ways, but it's been a good wake up call for for all of us to reevaluate the way we're living our lives and the way that we treat health. And, and so I think that, you know, with what you're doing, I think it's, it's so important. And, you know, I know that physicians working within the system, it, it's hard because like you said, you know, if it's not paying the bills, then, you know, it's not really sustainable. D- Dean Ornish talks about that all the time, he, you know, in his book Undo it, he says, you know, if it's not reimbursable, it's not sustainable. Exactly. And, and so I think that we have to, in the short term, find innovative ways to be able to do this and practice this stuff. And so just as an aside, so as I practice as a hospitalist, we actually have a discharge clinic 
where we see patients after they get out of the hospital. And, you know, I start the lifestyle medicine conversation with them in the hospital. And I say, you know, you can follow up with me in the discharge clinic. And I see them and I, I, I'm afforded much more time to see these patients, 30 minutes, maybe even sometimes 45 an hour. That's because, wonderful. Yeah. And it's just, it's so powerful because really part of it too is like, you know, I'm not going to be there with you holding your hand throughout your life. You need right. to be able to manage this on your own. And really, you have the power to change everything. You yes. have the choice. You have the power. Like this, we're just facilitators and you should yes. just be in charge of your health and yes. optimizing it the best way you can. So I think that like, no matter how, which way you practice, you know, I bring it back to Dr. Sung Wan, you know, he, he's a surgeon. He's doing this stuff too. Like you have to find creative ways to do it. And I think it's doable. I know it's, there's so much put on, on physicians, especially who are running outpatient clinics, you know, they have minimal time to, to spend, spend with those patients, but there are other ways you can do it. You can bring in help, you, you know, you can bring in a health coach. There's ways of going about, you know, addressing these issues. So, you know, I think that, you know, you, you, you said it and I, I love the message you gave. And so we're running out of time, but I wanted to ask one last question, which I ask all of my guests on the show. How do you define health in your own words? And wh what does that really mean for you? Oh, wow. That's a really good question. Um, there's, no, there's no wrong answer. Yeah. <laughs> health is just, for me, is the ability to get up every morning and have the, the stamina to do whatever it is that you wish to do uh, uh, effectively, you know? Uh, and I say that from a, the perspective of at one, one point in my life, having an inability to do that. I mean, there were so many mm -hmm. days that my brain wanted to do things. I mean, both physically and emotionally, because multiple sclerosis, the number one symptom that MS patients report is fatigue. And it's not, mm -hmm. it's not the type of mm -hmm. fatigue that I know of today. It is a fatigue that is all consuming and it's both physical and emotional. It's hard to describe unless, unless you've experienced it. Mm -hmm. But for so many years, Jonar, that's what I, what my life was like. Like I didn't want to get out of bed or it's not that I didn't want to, I couldn't. Mm -hmm. And so to have, mm -hmm. to have reclaimed that and to have that, that ability to um, just get up and, and passionately follow uh, my dreams to me is invaluable. And so I want that for everyone. I want everyone to have that vigor to do. Imagine if we all woke up every morning with this like drive to just knock it out the park. Wouldn't that be amazing? It would be. And so many of us don't. So many of us are right. suffering. So to offer that to someone I think would be life-changing and, and could we could really dramatically address this chronic disease epidemic. And I think in the end, in the end of it all, my hope is for us to have that healthy and happy, joyful experience and, and live to our fullest potential. I love that. Love it. <laughs> so we got to wrap it up. But before we go, where can people find you online? So my website is drstancic.com. And the and the the website for the film is codebluedoc.com. Doc is for documentary doctor. It's a double entendre. And the book is what's missing from medicine. Uh, I have the galley here. Ooh. I'm super excited about it. It's coming out on January 12th. And you know, I named it what's missing from medicine because this is what's missing from medicine. <laughs> yeah, what, exactly. What we, this is what I want we just to talked be. about. <laughs> it's pretty obvious why. Okay, people, make sure to check out her movie, Code Blue, and her new book, What's Missing from Medicine. This has been really amazing. Really grateful for you, for all that you do. And I so appreciate you coming on the show with us. Thank you so much. I hope to, you know, 
talk to you again in the future. Have you back on the show. It's wonderful talking to you. Likewise. Thank you so much. And thank you for the important work you're doing. Oh, thanks. <laughs> thank you. Okay, we'll see you soon. So what did you think? I just love talking to Dr. Sarai Stancic. What an amazing and inspirational human being. I hope our talk will help inspire you to strengthen each of the six spokes of your lifestyle wheel of health, which is ever more important during the height of this pandemic. So please let Dr. Stancic or myself know how this one was for you on our respective social media platforms, which you can find the links to in our show notes. And I'm always interested in improving this show. So if you have any suggestions on topics you want to hear, how we can make the show better, or to just let me know how a specific episode or guest helped inspire you, email me at drjoner at gmail.com. Looking forward to hearing from you. As mentioned before and on my social media pages, one lucky person will receive a copy of What's Missing from Medicine by Dr. Stancic, and you can enter by following four simple steps on Instagram. So go to Instagram, like my Instagram post from January 5th, leave a comment on that post, make sure to follow me on Instagram at drjonarmd, and then complete the glass half healthy giveaway survey. And you can click on the link that says link tree slash Dr. Jonah MD in my bio. Go to Instagram for the full details after this is done and best of luck to you. So thankful to have Dr. Stancic on the show. And as always, so thankful for you tuning in to hear our talk. So if you like what you heard, please subscribe, like, and review my podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and share it with your family, friends, and online because sharing is caring. Thanks again to the wonderful and smart Amelia Liu, my intern, to Jacob Ferrer for production help, and to Stock Sounds for the music. And lastly, to you. Thank you again for helping to make this podcast possible. We have more amazing guests lined up for 2021, so we'll see you on the next episode. Please remember your state of health starts with your state of mind. So till next time, enjoy the process, my friends. This podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not medical advice. So please talk to your primary physician for that. In addition, the views and opinions expressed by me are my own and not that of my former current or future employer. This also applies to my guests. Finally, we do our best to make every effort to relay correct information. We do not guarantee its accuracy. Thank you for listening.